You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. An elderly man lay in a hospital with his wife of 55 years, uh, sitting at his bedside. Is that you, Ethel, at my side again? He whispered. Yes, dear, she answered. He softly said to her, remember years ago when I was in the veterans hospital and you were with me then. You were with me when we lost everything in a fire. And Ethel, when we were poor, you, you stuck with me then too. The man sighed and said, Ethel, I think you're bad luck. Well, what does luck have to do with being a Christian? Actually, nothing at all. Okay, luck is not a, a, a Christian concept. Or, or you've heard a lot of these kind of phrases. What, what goes around comes around. Or, or he deserved that. Or, or he'll get what he deserves. Or, or it'll come back to him. Just wait. Or, you know, I need to do some good to, to balance out the bad. Or, or if it, it's meant to be, it, it'll happen. Uh, I don't want to jinx it. Or, or karma will get them. And what do those things have to do with Christianity? As we're, we're going to see today, really nothing at all. Okay, those are some phrases and, and types of thinking that you might not really think about being any big deal. But as we continue today with our, our Supernatural series, we're, we're talking about a topic that you might wonder why we're including in this series. It's, it's the topic of karma. And many people today would say that they, they believe in karma. Uh, even Christians will go along with it as well. Uh, probably some of you here today without maybe even really thinking about it but, um, or even knowing it. And, and I'm not here to try to make you feel bad or, or give you a guilt trip. I just wanted us to stop and think about some of the things that we say and, and believe and, and make sure that they line up with what the Bible teaches. Um, the origin of the belief in karma is, is rooted mainly in Hinduism, actually. Uh, karma is the idea that a person's thoughts, words, and deeds bring about the cycle of cause and effect in their life. If you do good things, good things will happen to you. If you do bad things, bad things will inevitably cross your path. Now, the ultimate next step in Hinduism is reincarnation. Okay, reincarnation is, is woven into the fabric of this philosophy by saying that a person's behaviors in this life 
helps shape what their next life will be like. Okay, if you primarily lived a good life, then, then you'll be reincarnated to a, a higher status in the next life. If your bad outweighs the good, uh, you will reincarnate into a lower status in, in the next life. So there is some cosmic force that is somehow weighing the good in the bad. That's the supernatural aspect of karma that we're looking at. Now, now most Christians wouldn't really go as far as saying they, they believe in reincarnation. But it is easy to slip into a pattern of, of this kind of thinking, uh, you know, trying to do more good things than, than bad things, or, you know, just make sure you do a little bit more good than bad. And the problem is that this really isn't how the God of the Bible works at all, and, and we'll look at that today. A couple of years ago, a, a Facebook friend of mine posted this, and, and I, I just thought it was really interesting. He, he said this, everything starts with a solid foundation, marriage, job, family, and your relationship with Christ, everything. If not, it will crumble and fail. Times get tough, and, and you never think you'll ever get through it. Through family, friends, and church, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Might take forever to get there, but keep marching on. Like the amazing John Wayne once said, courage is being scared to death, but sadly up anyway. Okay, pretty good thoughts that he shared, right? Uh, anytime you get a John Wayne quote in there, it's got to be good, right? Maybe some of you are John Wayne fans. But then other people made comments, you know, um, and in response to what somebody said to him, he said this, um, I truly believe in karma, and I'm glad I won't be on the receiving end of that one because it's going to rain down hard. So he was doing really good, you know, in the original post until he, he adds to that. You see, he, what he did was he, he combined Christian teaching with other outside teaching. And I think that's a dangerous road to go down. And you end up with kind of this hybrid Christian karma type thing. Um, another story, future Hall of Fame hockey player who played mostly for the Philadelphia Flyers. His name was Chris Pronger. And, and he had a really successful career. He won two Olympic gold medals with Team Canada. Won the Stanley Cup in 2007. Was once named the league MVP. In October of 2011, he suffered a, a severe concussion and eye, eye injury that ended up ending his career. And, and the injuries drove him into this black hole of depression. His concussion systems, symptoms were so severe that any bright lights would just bring on these terrible headaches and even had trouble playing with his, his kids and just tossing a baseball to his son for too long made him dizzy. And Pronger, who is 6'6", 220 pounds, was notorious for delivering devastating hits to his opponents. Say, sometimes with a, a solid body check, sometimes with his stick. Um, and so, kind of a, you know, known as a dirty player. And so one eight NHL player said of him, Chris was the best player in the NHL at knowing where you don't have padding. Typical fan signs at, at opponents' rinks would read something like, Pronger would spear his grandmother. One former teammate said, people were so intimidated by him, they always brought the puck over to my side of the ice. During his career, he was suspended eight times, and Pronger takes full responsibility for his choices, and, and he's not looking for grace. He was talking to Sports Illustrated, and he said, I, I, I stuck some guys with a good one. I'm guessing a few guys around the league heard about my injuries and started thinking, ah, sweet karma. 
I didn't play the game to make friends. I, I played the game to win. If what happened to me is a byproduct of that, I accept it. I'd be a hypocrite to ask for sympathy now. You see, some would say that he's having these terrible headaches and problems because he was such a dirty hockey player. You know, what goes around comes around. You know, he's getting what he deserves. The truth, if you really look at it, is the headaches are a result of his hockey injuries. Cases with severe concussions, and they don't have anything to do with payback for being a dirty player. He played a rough style of hockey. He was hard on his body, and he's paying the price for that. Um, you know, a lot of football players deal with that same type of thing. So here's the deal, guys. Karma is a, a purely works-based belief system. Christianity has never been and never will be about doing enough good works for God. Okay, sadly, many of us kind of think that's how God operates. He's, he's out to, to pay us back for the, the bad things we do. But, but Christianity is based solely on the grace of God. And I would go as far as to say that this kind of thinking could contribute to why many people feel so distant from God. Okay, they just can't really believe that God would, would truly forgive them for what they've done and, and that God actually likes them and, and even loves them. Hey, it's just hard to, to wrap their minds around that, around that. So listen, you were not created to be accepted by God based upon what you do. Okay? You were created to be cherished and, and loved by God, and, and then in turn, uh, we, we can love Him and worship Him. It's pretty simple, really. And, and here's the thing, what you believe determines how you live and act. And that's why we're addressing karma today, because many believe in karma, at least to a certain extent, and those beliefs begin to shape your actions, even if it's kind of inadvertently or subconsciously. So actually this thinking, it's not a, a recent phenomenon. Uh, they had some of this type of thought going all the way back to the first century as well. So let's look at a story in John 9, beginning in verse 1, and Jesus is, is talking to his disciples here. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay, so the disciples saw this man who was suffering, um, and so they wanted some answers to, to why God would allow it. And so they asked him, you know, did he do something to deserve this? Was it him or, or somebody else? And and they assume that somebody must have done something wrong for this to happen. But we see in verse 3 how Jesus completely eliminates this kind of thinking. He basically says that the sin has nothing to do with his blindness. In fact, his pain was going to be used to display God's glory. And that's not a blanket statement on the purpose of all injuries or sicknesses or illnesses. But that's why this guy was blind. Let's move down to verse 6. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and, and put it on the man's eyes. Okay, I've told you guys how I, I think saliva miracles are kind of gross, but that's just me. Okay, I'm not criticizing Jesus in any way. Um, he liked to use saliva some. Verse 7, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. 
Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, this man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Pretty cool miracle, huh? I mean, this guy's life was forever changed. So this story kind of leads into our our first main point. I want to share a few thoughts on getting out of a karma-like mindset. Okay, so the first thing is we need to realize that bad circumstances are not always the result of poor choices. Okay, don't get me wrong. There can be consequences to sin. Okay, sometimes really bad consequences. But God is not saying you have to pay the price that you have, you know, for the things, the bad things you've done until you've done enough good stuff to equal it out. Okay, that's not how it works. If you drove drunk and you injured or killed someone, there are consequences to that. You might end up being in jail for a long time. But many things that happen have nothing to do with individual choices. I mean, millions of people in the world live in terrible conditions, and in poverty, and, and it has nothing to do with choices they've made. So while grief is sometimes the result of sin, and going back to our blind man's story, not all suffering is a result of specific sin. Okay, Jesus makes that very clear here. Karma would say that it is. In the world of karma, the sole purpose of pain is revenge and balance, to, to even things out. And that's just not the way the Bible looks at it or teaches. And, and I don't think we'll ever be able to understand, honestly, some of the pain and suffering that happens in this world, uh, except that we live in a fallen world um, that doesn't work properly. Um, but it's not about this cosmic force of, of revenge and balance. Okay, does that make sense? Here's another thing to think about in, in getting out of a karma mindset. Uh, God can use poor choices in positive ways. Okay, in the Old Testament, there's a story about a man named Jonah, you remember it, who, who was called by God to preach to a city called Nineveh. And we learn in Jonah's story that, that he didn't reject just, just reject God's call on his life, but he ran away from God and his calling. Okay, God said, hey, Jonah, I want you to go this way. And Jonah said, no, I'm, I'm going this way. Um, and so Jonah boarded a boat to travel to another city in an effort to just get away from God. Okay, and so while on the sea, God sent this massive storm that eventually led to Jonah being thrown overboard by everyone on the ship. Okay, and so the the moment he landed in the water, the Bible says that, that God sent this big fish to swallow him whole. Okay, now that's a fish story, right? I would have loved to seen how big that fish is. Um, now, w- when it looked like Jonah had been the recipient of bad karma and, and God had received his revenge, we, we learned that, that God actually had a greater purpose behind these terrible circumstances that Jonah found himself in. Because, you see, it was in the belly of the fish that God began to work on Jonah's rebellious heart. Okay, that, that would tend to get your attention, right? And, and it was there that Jonah learned to lean on God alone. Okay, may, maybe you feel like you've been swallowed by that same fish at times. And, and you wonder if God is near. And, and maybe it's as a result of a choice you made. Maybe it's just life. Is hard. You know, the test results came back this week, and, and the doctor said that that tumor is malignant. 
or you found a couple texts this week that, that only confirmed your suspicions about what's been really going on at the office late at night. Or you're just in this valley of depression so low that you, you, know, you didn't even feel like getting out of bed today. Or, or you just lost your job and, and you're not sure even how you're going to pay your bills next month. And you begin to ask the question, does God really care about me? Or, you know, did I do something wrong? Is he trying to get even with me? Is he, is he even there? What have I done to upset him? Look at what Jonah prays from inside the fish in Jonah 2.2. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You see, Jonah's circumstances weren't because God wanted revenge. Okay? Karma was not at work in his life. God had something better in mind for Jonah. It, it was through Jonah's brokenness that he discovered God's grace. And, and before this misery invaded his life, he was blind to his need for grace. Anyone who runs from God, they, they aren't aware of or they forget about uh, which happens a lot of times too, um, they, they forget about God and, and, and their need for his, his grace or they wouldn't be running from him. Okay, it's just kind of basic logic. Now here's the thing. Had that fish not swallowed Jonah, he never would have had a front row seat to the power of God at work in 120,000 people's lives. After Jonah decided to listen to God, and, and, and he said, okay, I'll go preach to them, and, and the, the people heard this, and, and they repented, and they turned to God. You see, before Jonah could be blessed by God, he first needed to be broken by God. Hey, did you catch that? Before Jonah could be blessed by God, he first needed to be broken by God. And so dis, despite our, our resistance, sometimes that's the path that God chooses to take for us as well. You know, I'm concerned that a lot of us, we interact with God kind of like we negotiate in a business deal. We demand the best for, for our benefit, okay? We, we want the, the best health or the best success in business or, or marital fulfillment, but, but we're unwilling to endure what is sometimes necessary to receive the blessing. You know, whether it be physical limitation or uh, unemployment or um, illness, whatever it might be, really hard trials. You see, reasons of suffering or seasons of suffering can, can in turn be blessings because they force us to rely on God e even more than before. Okay, you can think of times in your life when you've had to do that, and, and we in turn begin to realize that, that He is enough. Okay, in my life, I've come to learn that God is especially present in, in life's most unwanted circumstances. He's actually walking with us through our pain, not distant from us like sometimes we feel like he is. You know, I've been talking to, to Brad Hildebrand about his accident and, you know, asking him about his faith and how's it, how's it doing. And, and I just really appreciate his perspective. He told me that even when things were at their very worst and, and he's in the hospital and the pain was really bad and um, he just always had a sense that God was right there with him. Okay, he said he could always feel the still small voice of God. 
You know, God didn't cause that accident, but he's working through it. And, and I know he's going to continue to use what Brad has been through and the family uh, in the future. Going back to the story of our blind man in John 9, his circumstance led him to find grace. And so after dismantling the notion of karma to the disciples, Jesus approached the blind man, spit on some dirt, made mud, covered the blind man's eyes, and Jesus you know, told him to, to go to the pool of Siloam, like we read. Verse 7 again said that, So the man went and washed and came home seen. Can you imagine what that would be like for him? And all your life, you couldn't enjoy the beauty of the, you know, a lush field, or, or you couldn't describe what buildings look like, or, or the blueness of the sky. And then all of a sudden, some guy spits in some mud, and he tells you to wash off in a nearby pool, and your sight is back. And how excited would you be? It would be strange, and and maybe a little confusing and awesome and exciting all at the same time. We'll leave it to the, the Pharisees to reign on this guy's parade. Uh, where there was reason to celebrate, there came criticism. Okay, they, The crowd took this formerly blind man to the Pharisees, and they questioned him about the miracle Jesus did for him. And, and, and things got quickly heated with the Pharisees. And to the point where they eventually cast this formerly blind man out of the synagogue. Okay, the blind man did nothing to deserve this, this rejection. He simply testified to the power of Jesus. He spoke with conviction, yet his circumstance left him feeling alone. Okay, which leads us to the, our next principle. Is doing the right thing doesn't guarantee blessings. Okay, the, the blind man had just been healed of his, his lifelong limitation. So he, he did what anyone in the right mind would do. He, he told people about what, you know, what Jesus had done in his life. He wasn't being rude or imposing. Yet in verse 28, it says they, they shunned him. They, they didn't get it. And they didn't want to get it, probably more likely. But, but here's something we need to understand. If you're trying to do the right things, just so you'll be blessed by God for doing those right things, you're going to be frustrated at times because the kinds of blessings that you're hoping for by doing good things, enough good things, often do not come. Okay, that's the wrong kind of thinking. You might remember the story of Job, and he is a very good man. Um, there wasn't any better, really. And is very blessed with all kinds of things, material things, great family. And we're not going to go into the whole story, but Satan was allowed by God to take away all of his blessings, okay, including most of his family and, and his health. And, and his, his life just became absolutely miserable. And it sounds like he was about as good as they come, like I said. And he still lost all these things. Now, Job's story has a, has a happy ending. Later on in his life, those, those blessings came back to him more than he had before, but he endured a lot of grief and pain and, and suffering and, and uh, even questions from his friends uh, and his wife before he got to that point. And the truth is he would always have scars due to his losses. Okay, those things don't go away. You guys know that. But I hear people say all the time, you know, I try to do the right things, but, but just nothing ever seems to go my way. You know, I wonder if that's all even worth it. Um, have you ever been there? 
I think we've all been there at times. You, you know, you give your money faithfully to God, or you're, you're, you're a good person pretty much, and, and you work hard, and, and maybe you still lose your job, or, or your marriage just falls apart, or, or your kids, they rebel against God, and it just doesn't seem fair. But to be honest, our thinking that we should receive good for doing good is karma-like thinking. Okay, it's not really biblical thinking. Okay, you see, as Christians, we live our lives in a certain way out of our love for Jesus. Okay, it's really not about getting something in return. I know that's hard. But our goal is simply to live lives of loving God and loving people, not, not so we get anything in return. And don't get me wrong, there are huge blessings to being followers of Christ. Okay, but they might not be the kinds of blessings that the world would say that we should be looking for. You know, at the very least, we need to understand that the, the, there is a huge blessing and satisfaction of living your life for Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, you have an ultimate purpose that, that so many people are looking for. Okay, you have the peace of Jesus. And as Christians, our biggest blessings by far will take place later. Okay, in eternity. Eternity is a long time to get to live in a perfect place with our Heavenly Father. And our lives here on this, this earth are pretty short in comparison. And then there's one more thought in kind of getting rid of this karma-like thinking. Thankfully, we don't get what we truly deserve. Okay, if we really want to go down the path of people getting what they deserve, and, and even kind of comparing ourselves at times to other people, uh, the truth is we would all be in pretty big trouble Okay, if we're really balancing good and bad, uh, we're all bad. Okay, because any amount of sin separates us from God. And part of Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. Okay, and then, and then part of Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Okay, that, the kind of the penalty of sin. So if you really want to get nitpicky about it, we all deserve to die spiritually. You know, that's what we have earned or deserve from sin is death. So the rest of verse 23 is our encouragement, though. I am so thankful for the rest of Romans 6 to 23. Okay, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, we have death in the first part, but life in the second part. You see, because of, of Jesus and what he did for us, we don't have to receive what we truly deserve. Okay, when, when we follow Jesus, and I'm so thankful for that. So guys, it really comes down to this. Karma is based on works. Christianity is based on grace. Karma says do good works to be the recipient of good things. True Christianity says do good things out of your love and appreciation for Jesus and, and, and to be a light to the world. Okay, I have to bring up Ephesians 2, 8, 8 and 9. It's the classic verse on grace that says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is critical that we always keep a proper perspective on God's grace. Okay, it's a, a gift we don't deserve, but it's a gift that God has offered to us because of his love. 
There's a story told in Buddhist literature that's very similar to the story Jesus tells about the prodigal son in Luke 15. In both the stories, young men rebel against their father and they go off in a a distant land on their own. And then everything kind of sort of uh, falls apart for them and, and, and then they decide they want to come home and be reconciled to their fathers. Both stories start out the same. But in the Buddha story, the young man comes home and, and he's forced to pay the penalty for what he did by, by spending years of, of servitude shoveling manure. That's what he deserved. Yeah, he blew it. His life was a mess. But in Jesus' story, the prodigal son comes home and instead of forcing him to work off the fact that he wasted his inheritance, the father opens his arms. And gives him unconditional love. And and he gives him unconditional forgiveness. And he gives him unconditional grace. And he embraces him and he throws a party. So there's a big difference to the end of the story. In one story, the father's love is about doing. In the other, it's, it's about what's already been done. In one story, the focus is on fairness. In the other, it's about what's undeserved. The Buddha story summarizes karma. The story Jesus tells describes something radical that he offers to everyone. And that's grace. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Hey, do you see the difference there? The difference is huge. But what do we do with a verse like Galatians 6, 7? Isn't there an element of getting what we deserved? It says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Sounds kind of like Christian karma, doesn't it? But let's keep reading. Verse 8, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's what's really going on here. This isn't actually about a a cosmic balance of good and bad. That's not what it's saying. This is about consequences of our actions. There are consequences, like we we talked about earlier, to the things we do. Uh, Consequences are different than karma. Okay, If you go too fast and you get pulled over... you might get a speeding ticket. Okay, I may have experienced that a few times in my life. Uh, much better now about that thing, kind of thing. Some of you here today have probably been living, whether you realize it or not, with a, a karma-like mindset. I want you to know that because of Jesus, you don't have to live that way anymore. Okay, because of Jesus, you get to live by God's grace. You get to live in the abundance of God's love. And there is no better way to live. I can guarantee you that. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your grace. And and, and I pray that we will be kind of sensitive to to the way we think about things and and the way we talk about things. Um, And I I pray that um, we will understand that the the things that we do, um, you know, all of us deserve to be separated from you but we're so thankful that that through jesus through your grace that we can bridge that gap back to you thank you for your love thank you for your patience it's in your name we pray
Amen. So if you were here in person right now, we would go into a time of communion, and we have uh, an offering as well. And so I want to go ahead and talk about that a little bit, even though you're watching online. First of all, let me just talk a little bit about your, your financial giving to God. Um, you know, there are so many cool things about giving back to God. It's a, it's a way of worshiping God. It's a way of saying thank you to God. It's a way of providing for the church and, and for missions around the world. It's a way of showing our trust of God that he's going to take care of us, uh, even though we're giving some of our, our money back to him. But sometimes I think people give in hopes that they're going to get more back from God that they give. Maybe you don't say that, but you kind of, it's kind of underlying thinking. And it becomes kind of a selfish motive for giving, and, and we can actually kind of have a mindset, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of giving in order to help balance out the bad things in my life, or we give out of guilt. But it's not, I want to say the obvious, it, it doesn't work that way. Okay, we give simply out of an overflow of our love of God, plain and simple. So that's all I want to say about that. That's the giving part. But we also take the Lord's Supper each week. And if there's ever a time when it is obvious that God doesn't give us what we deserve, it's when we remember the cross. Okay, it's when we remember that God loved us so much that, that he came to die for us, to, to pay a price for our sins that, that he didn't have to pay. Okay, if it was about balancing out good and bad, God would have never done that. Okay, he took the penalty of our sins on himself. So just a thought for you to think about. I encourage you to, to take the Lord's Supper right now, wherever you're at. Um, take some time to remember and celebrate Jesus. So as always, I'm so thankful that you, you joined us here and, and maybe even from the other side of the world. But wherever you're at right now, I'm, I'm thankful for you. Have a great week.